the cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the, the green, green peak. peak with your host, Richard Zwicky. Hi, I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak, and today joining us, we have Jose Bacelar from uh, Verde Mede, and, or Verde Med, um, apologies. And uh, Jose, I mean, right now with everything going on, where are you located? And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into uh, developing Verde Med and your uh, path through uh, Canopy and everything else on the way here? Okay, well... First of all, thank you for having me here in the show. It's a pleasure to, to be talking to you and all your listenings, listeners. Um, I'm at, right now. I'm in Toronto. The company is based out of Toronto. I moved to. I'm Brazilian originally, and I've been in Canada for 12 years now. Uh, new Canadian, as, as as we say here, and, and it's been now three years. It's it seems like. A long time, you know, when I joined Canopy in 2017, uh, uh, it was a brief period. So they they have an operation in um, in UK, uh, with a JV with a, a British company, focused on, on pharmaceutical development, and then they asked me to to work for them in the Latam uh, uh, business development. They they had closed a, a couple of deals. And I was just there to, to tie up a few knots. And when Verdamed opportunity emerged, like um, because I am from the region and I've worked in all in many countries. So a few people reached out and said, why don't we do this? You know, not completely different from what Canopy was doing, a different approach uh, to, to Latin America. And that's how Verdamed was born. Like we were born almost two years ago, uh, June 2018. Uh, we are a couple of months to, to complete two years. And we, we are a company solely based into bringing uh, uh, so far medicinal cannabis. Uh, there is no adult use in North America except for Uruguay. So we are bringing medicinal cannabis to the Latin countries where it's legal, where is it possible, and the way each regulatory framework allows as well. So that, that's basically the story of Offer the meds. I don't know if I missed. Yeah, no, that <clears throat> no, that's excellent. And, you know, just as a context, my company Plena um, started very much in a similar path and a similar has a similar philosophy in terms of we're focused on developing pharmaceutical grade uh, products from an agricultural source, and uh, of course, they're medical cannabis products. And uh, we did our first funding. Uh, which really kicked off the company in July of 2018, so just around the same time as you, and have been developing everything since then. And I noticed, you know, uh, Verdemed is focused really on uh, developing its own line of products for the consumer, um, for the patients. And uh, on the Colombian market today, uh, or most of the supply is for the Colombian market or Latin market, <clears throat> as opposed to shipping to Europe or anywhere else, which in the, in the COVID world is more difficult than it was even a couple of months ago. But um, as you look at the LATAM market, I know it's a, a discussion which a lot of the bankers have, how big is it? And uh, people don't really understand how large LATAM is as a whole, but all, not just the population size, but in terms of 
uh, purchasing power. What, you know, how do you position that? How do you talk about it with the market to help people understand what you're doing? Uh, my, my story, I think that for you to do business in Latin America, in cannabis to, to begin with, then we can go to generics, but like, uh, we have to believe that what's happening in US, what happened in US, in Canada, I'm from Canada, in Canada, United States, each state's doing a different way, uh, and what's going on in Europe, this movement is something that's going to, to arrive in Latin America eventually. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing you must believe because Latin American countries are like five years, some of them like 10 years uh, uh, distance from what we have in US now. So Latin America looks like, if you think of the United States as the multi-state operators and when you go to Michigan, it's a different law from what you have in Nevada and Colorado and Texas. This is exactly the way Latin America is. So there is not a Latin America strategy. You have to do it country by country. You have to solve the issue in each and every country. About the purchasing power, I think it, it also correlates a lot to what we know here in the US, what we know in North America, that the demand already exists. People already use it, even for adult use, recreational or medicinal. So. Uh, it's about replacing a demand, a supply that currently is either illegal or being done in a non-business uh, 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 way, in a non-mature way to a consumer goods requirement. And finally, why pharmaceutical in Latin America? Because this is a caveat that's really important to understand the demand's business proposition and what I think Latin America is so attractive. Um, the all right now we have two products that are registered well known so Epidiolex and Sativax both from GW, Epidiolex in US, Sativax here in Europe. So these products they 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 have a patent, it's a special patent called indication patent. So basically, when you take a very old drug that is off patent, that there is no patent for the, the chemicals, but you find a new use for it just like Epidiolex did. Now, now we use CBD, CBD, it's Epidiolex is CBD. Yep. CBD for epilepsy, that's a, a new use and they get the patent for that specific treatment for five to seven years. Mm -hmm. That patent does not apply to Latin America. Right. There's no indication patent. Therefore, the Latin American markets, they are born as generic markets. Yes. It's a game of, not a game of margin, it's a game of cost and a game mm -hmm. of, of, of volume. But the volume is there because governments, 50% of the demand comes from governments in all the countries. So you have the, the demand by, by, the, by the governments and the private markets are uh, quite wealthy. Unfortunately, we have the poverty. There is a, a lot of disparity. But, you know, like when you take a country like Brazil and you think, oh, 200 million and all the poverty, all that, 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 that column that you have. But 20% of the population is equivalent of a country like Spain or, you know, in terms of wealth. So they are sizable markets and there is always the potential that I think that's what a little bit damaging always to Latin America aspirations. About, but the market could be so big. But what, it, what we have now with the population that already uses, plus the government binds, it is, it is very attractive. So it is. To, to get back, if you believe that 
uh, what happened in US will happen in Latin America eventually. In the next three to five years, we're going to have from medicinal cannabis in Brazil to, to Colombia to Me Mexico is about to have a big change to uh, um, bringing products at more lower cost, not so margin based, but a consumer product. And you have the pharmaceutical uh, angle, you will find uh, demand and you find a position for, for your business. Oh, I agree. And I mean, uh, you know, I think when I explain to people that Colombia alone has a population of 49.6 uh, million people and, you know, they have a, they have a wealthy and a strong and growing middle class, it's not just a developing country with uh, poverty. It's actually a fully developed country and the fastest developing in the region today. Um, you know, people don't, stop and do the math to realize, wait a second, Colombia is bigger than Canada. You know, it's uh, one and a third Canada. And we had how many $10 billion companies? Well, now there are a few, a few less with the uh, market meltdown, but we had how many multi-billion dollar companies develop in the medical cannabis space really in the last five years, because six years ago, there was really one. And now there's a, there's a, a good half dozen that are still there. And there's no, you know, even the banks said to me a year ago, they see the reality of, you know, Colombia and the other markets opening up, that this is really the market that, as a series of markets, makes sense as the next open. But the factor that people don't look at is, yes, there are, there are uh, you know, it's not as wealthy, but the costs are so much lower. And we have to take a break, but let's come back onto that in terms of the opportunity and terms of where we go and then into some of the uh, pharmaceutical use that's different down there, how it's being approached. So we'll be back in a moment with uh, Jose Basadar from Verdemed. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at shoogies.com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat. Let me welcome Nick Hexum from 311. We've never heard things like your music when it first came out. It's like to mix the reggae with the punk and all of that together was just such an unusual sound and, and we loved it. We realized we're not gonna copy what's on the radio. At the time it was all grunge at what that was on the radio and I said, let's just stick to what we know and wait for a culture to come around to us. Hey, it's Nick Hexum from 311, and you're listening to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina on CannabisRadio.com. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. 
This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back with Jose Basilar from Verde Med. Um, and Jose, just before the break, we we're talking about uh, narrowing down just in the Colombian market difference versus, you know, people talk about LATAM as a whole and the, you know, the size of population, but the disposable income and how most people in the industry worldwide have really, you know, overlook the opportunity that really is there. And people think that, well, medical cannabis products in Canada may be $10 a gram or whatever it is at different times for different products. And how could people in Colombia afford that? And they don't recognize the fact that, I don't know your production costs. I know ours are down, um, I'll just say around 15 cents uh, a gram at this point compared to the Canadian producers at $1.50 uh, that they're trying to hit. And that advantage follows through in pricing throughout, but still allows everybody to make margins and has a really amazing business opportunity. And so those, uh, those opportunities are ignored by a lot of the market but it's those types of supply partners that really come to dominate the world. And, you know, in LATAM though, we're, we're working out and in Colombia and elsewhere, we're working out really new models for the industry. So Jose, you know, I think there's two areas we should delve into. One is the um, distribution network for patients in Colombia is the clinics as opposed to here in North America where, you know, there was the mail order in Canada and now there's, you know, some alternate distribution models, but there's still a lot of very one-to-one uh, -one distribution. Um, whereas in Colombia, they've been working on the uh, clinics. And of course, with, uh, you know, the current crisis that's going on is likely to continue as a health crisis for at least a year, even though, you know, hopefully it'll not be as strong forever, but it's going to continue to rear its head. We're looking at changes in how everybody operates and moves and handles things and clinics are always essential as a service but they're not just cannabis clinics they're clinics for health as a whole how do you see uh the models modifying and how do you see that difference in model changing how the uh the market gets addressed um, this is also a specificity of Colombia and Latin America in general <laughs> like here in North America where we develop like you said the Mayo then the dispensaries, but basically there was a new retail born to serve the cannabis industry. In Latin America, that's not the trend. The trend is to use either existing distribution uh, uh, clinics, like, like in mm -hmm. Colombia, uh, but they don't need to be specialized, or cannabis clinics. In Brazil, you have been, you've been seeing a movement of cannabis clinics, uh, but it's like uh, doctors that can prescribe and, and, and will fulfill the demand. 
In, and in Colombia also you have, um, it's the, the farmacias magistrales, um, which is not so common in, in, in North America, but you have these specialties pharmaceutical uh, boutiques that they manipulate the APIs and they produce whatever the doctor prescribes. Yep. And that's another, another uh, yeah. important, very yeah. important demand in yeah. Colombia. Compounding so pharmacies, uh, right? It, sorry? Compounding pharmacies, really. Compounding pharmacies. Thank you. <laughs> I know. First time I heard that, I had to learn the word too and realize as well what we were. <laughs> Compound. Yeah, that's yeah. it. So going back to English. And um, so in Colombia, you have this. You have the existing channels. You have new channels, specialized ones. You have the, the compounding pharmacies that we also serve. Mexico is going to be a really huge market. The law just stopped because of the health crisis. And I hope it will soon uh, uh, go, uh, you know, we will manage over the next year, as you said, and things will, will get better. Yeah, no, hopefully, you know, we all hope that uh, things will get better with the health issues for everyone everywhere. It's uh, unfortunate that it is, you know, the, the forecasts say it's going to be a while. But we're all going to have to learn new ways to operate and not just keep safe, but but live and not just exist, but learn new ways to thrive as yeah. people and uh, grow. Um, but, you know, I know Peru is looking, you know, is going into a different model where they're going to standardize pharmacies and their first shipments uh, that they received sold out within a day or two and they were only in one pharmacy. And the amount they got delivered, they thought was going to be enough for the entire city of Lima for a month, and it lasted less than, you know, 24 hours in one in one pharmacy. No clinics got it, and it was quite interesting. So the demand and the pent up requirements is much stronger than uh, others would expect. Now, as you know, you look, you know, you're you're Brazilian uh, by birth, and you're operating right now in Colombia, and they're. Very, there's huge differences between the countries, obviously, not just language, but cultural and the like. But Brazil had a much more um, strict regimen with regards to medical cannabis products and a much more convoluted one as well over the last couple of years um, in comparison to a lot of other countries. How do you see that market changing over the next five years? And is it going to be driven by the economic need or is it going to be driven by the um, a popular demand. What do you think is going to really move things in Brazil? I think that what we, if there is a chance for, for Brazil now, has a very uh, it's not a right wing government, but it's a, a government that basically is against medicinal cannabis. Mm -hmm. uh, so the process has been like like uh, I think that we forgot. We forget in North America how the judicial system played a very critical role in making medicinal cannabis evolve. So even in Canada, in the 2000s, it was our Supreme Court that ruled it was a right of the citizens to, to have access to cannabis. So I think in Brazil it's going to be much more, uh, it's going to be tough in terms of the judicial system will force uh, the advance, like it is already, so you have uh, people with licenses to grow uh, for for patient associations, and it's becoming uh, more and more evident that the country should have some kind of legal framework for, for medicinal cannabis. 
So as the judicial system makes it happen, you have on the Congress also two or three big initiatives of, of, of new laws to change uh, what we have there. So I think it's going to be longer. I think Brazil may take like one, two years until we have a new law. Like what took Mexico? Like Mexico, it took them two years, almost three years. Now they, they have the legal framework in place. Colombia since 2016, but they are still fixing it and, and mending it. There's huge amendments coming to, uh, they have to really fix it because they have a lot of very strange language in there that make causes it great difficulty for anybody in the industry it's uh a lot of friction it's uh it's it's something that has to change and um you know i i'll tell you a quick story because you use the canadian example but a few of people i know were involved uh and were working with alan rock back in the late 90s and uh they wanted to legalize cannabis for medical purposes but there wasn't enough votes and support in the house of commons to do it so the law that was written with regards to access to cannabis for medical purposes was written in a way that was flawed so that would be struck down by the courts. And when we talk about the courts being the ones that pushed the system open, it was really the courts had no choice but to do so because the law was written in a way that it was uh, deemed that the courts would strike down because it was a violation of our Bill of Rights or Charter of Rights here in Canada. And, you know, you look at that as an example of governments looking at alternate ways of moving things forward. And it's not a path which, you know, many countries or many governments have used, but it is ones where the government or the you know, legislators, some of them have the foresight into where the market needs to go, where the country needs to go, but understands that something won't be politically popular. How do you still make it happen? And when you look at the experience elsewhere, um, you're talking about Brazil. That could be, you know, one of the things where you mentioned the courts looking at in terms of people's rights. Yeah, in terms of, my, I think, uh, well, I'm, I'm an economist, as, as I, that was my main, my, 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 my graduation uh, originally before I did my master's in, in my MBA. You know, and I... I I think that there is a, an, an, over, an overall economic force that will drive the change in all Latin American countries. Uh, you know, Colombia and Mexico, they are big net exporters of illegal cannabis to the U.S. Okay, that's a, that's a reality. I'm not blaming the country. There is no moral judgment, nothing. It's just, it's a fact, you know. Uh, these countries are losing the, the illegal market in the U.S. because the illegal market will disappear. So yes. these countries are losing a very important side of their economy. So either they use their internal market to, to, to fulfill it, or they're going to have to export to I don't know, Europe. But then everybody, then everybody aims at the Canadians are going to export to Europe, Colombians to Europe, you know, Brazilians to Europe. Like there's, there's so many Europeans, the Chinese, they're, they're coming big with hands. So, that's why I believe that ultimately it will be a commodity because everybody will want in and then it will be like we'll have someday in the, in the Chicago Stock Exchange the average price for, for, for things in cannabis things. Oh, yes. It's a com- it, it will be a commodity very quickly and it'll be futures traded and the like and people have to, have to start looking at it. And let's come back to that after the break um, in terms of how that becomes a commodity and how quickly it happens because 
it's a big world, but it's quite small in many ways as well for us in this industry. Coming back in a moment with Jose Masala from Belvinet, I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. My guests say Razzie Berry. We're talking about nature, naturopathic medicine, as well as the concept of prevention and preventing disease. Empower people to live a naturopathic lifestyle, get to know your body, understand its rhythms, remove toxins, and use natural alternatives whenever possible. 90 to 95% of cancers are due to environment and lifestyle risk factors. I mean, that's a huge number. That means that cancer is preventable. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the 2020 Cannabis Caucus Event Series from March 10th through March 26th. Don't miss this exclusive opportunity for NCIA members to network learn about regional issues from influential guest speakers and get the latest news about NCIA's federal policy work and emerging topics. Look for this year's only tour of Cannabis Caucus events coming to Portland, Denver, St. Louis, Detroit, Chicago, Newark, Sacramento, and Los Angeles this March. Stay connected, get informed, and take action to protect our industry and your business. Register now for your complimentary tickets at thecannabisindustry.org slash events. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back again with Jose Basilar from Verde Med and I'm Richard Zwicky. This is our last section of the, uh, the interview, Jose, and discussion, but something you touched upon just a couple of minutes ago was with regards to the commoditization of uh, medical cannabis. And your point being, you know, there's companies that are in LATAM looking to sell to Europe. You know, we're, we're looking to sell to Europe, but we're looking to sell to LATAM as well. Um, we recognize it's a global market. And there's a, the need is uniform around the world in terms of patients everywhere have a need for the product. But as this market develops and, you know, the everything transitions into the most efficient models, the products become commoditized. And we saw a lot of that in CBD last year. Um, although this year with the crisis and with last year's effect of uh, the glut on the market, it may be less, uh, less of a glut this year. But we haven't seen that with THC. We haven't seen it with CBG. We haven't seen it with a lot of the other compounds. What do you see happening on that front over the next you know, 12 months and two years? 
And how fast do you think it's going that commoditization comes? I think it's going to be uh, fast, really fast. Like if, if you think on CBD alone, you know, like uh, two years ago, CBD in the US was like $10,000 per kilo. Uh, then it went down to six, then four, and it's quickly down to 1,500 a kilo, and you can find isolates to 1,200 a kilo. So it's simply diving. If you think in 10, in two years, the price fell like by eight times. Oh, and CBD, uh, CBD, it's obvious, and we can see that also because it's the non-psychoactive and you don't need the licenses. That mm-hmm. There's much lower requirements around it. But what do you see about the rest of the market? Because The rest of not, the market, I think it's going to be like, I, I believe THC will always be a controlled substance. Mm-hmm. Even in the markets where it's legal to, to have the adult use, you always require a special license from the producers. So uh, it's going to be a controlled market. CBD tends to be, and hemp, let, let's talk about hemp. Sure. Hemp tends to be a, a, a more commodity in agricultural terms. Then how much each, each compound will uh, uh, go into, into becoming a commodity as CBDD, CBG, CBN, all these others, first we have to understand what they are good for. It's a, we have much less research, if not any, about people say CBN is great to sleep, it's great, okay, but where's the evidence? Uh, uh, you know, and, 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 and once this, this we have, um, again, you have other, other sources of, of cannabinoids that are coming. Uh, and and, and, and I, I really believe on the economic force uh, driving, driving price prices down, which is basically if it's a free market and people with money can go in and produce, you know, the, the, the price will naturally uh, go down because of the sheer uh, uh, growth of supply until there are so many players that fill up them have to leave and then you have the equilibrium price no no three five years time uh but but i i really believe that it's going to be fast especially if, as the more deregulated the faster so why it happened so fast in the us it's simple like right now 1200 one kilo of cbd in us is let's say 1500 in Canada, it's 10,000, 12,000. Why? Because here it's overregulated. Health Canada doesn't allow uh, U.S. to export to Canada. Health Canada creates a lot of hurdles for the local producer to go into hemp. Hemp is late. But what will happen in the end? But it also, also are the international markets, we're, we're dealing with the quality of getting to pharmaceutical grade, which isn't happening in the U.S. Yeah. So right? Yeah. So. Yeah, but, uh, but again, um, we it sell, happens, but the, that the, the cannabis that is sold into, into, the, the, into the dispensaries, they're not pharmaceutical. Grade. No, that's, the dispensaries is a whole other piece because that's, not, that's a, a market in between. And, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting one because it's really not, uh, not aligned with the rest of the, the world in many ways. It's, a, uh, mm-hmm. it's an oddity right now as a as the industry transitions um jose i know we're running low on time but um for people who want to contact you with regards to looking at the potential of the brazilian market looking for dealing with pharmaceutical products across colombia or just general information how should they contact you um well they can 
be of assistance to anybody that wants to talk, they can reach me out through my mobile and WhatsApp. It's one six four seven. I'd give out your email address if you want to. I wouldn't get anybody. You might have too many people phone you. <laughs> no, nobody phones me. Like <laughs> I don't know why it's so okay. Let's go back. You, can you cut this? Yes. So yeah. Give okay. me. Uh, give me five <laughs> seconds and then go ahead and uh, come in with the email address. Three, please. Thanks. Three, two, one. So thank you, and uh, I would love to be helpful to, to anybody that wants to reach out. It's jose.bacelar at verdemer.com, J-O-S-E dot B-A-C-E-L-L-A-R at verdemed, V-E-R-D-E-M-E-D dot com. Uh, please uh, just reach out. And in our website also there is a contact us and then the emails, I, I got all the emails that eventually are sent through the website. Fantastic. I know a lot of people have additional questions and that's a great way to, uh, to follow up. It's been a really interesting conversation, Jose. Thank you for joining us and thanks to our listeners for uh, listening and participating. I'm Richard Zwicky, The Green Peak, and thank you again. Thank you for having me here. Thank you. Thanks, Jose. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.